0: to Jazz It, a podcast where we dive into conversations to spark social change. My name is Jolene. My name is Marion, and my name is Wei Ting.
1: Today we will be talking to two very lovely girls from Lepak Conversations. This Instagram page was founded by two 22-year-old girls who want to amplify the voices of people from the Malay community in a safe space. They also aim to spark a culture of open conversation, learning and discussion by providing informative resources that are easily digestible. Be sure to check them out at Laypak Conversations. Let's welcome Nora and Anna! Uh, yay!
2: <laughs> Hi guys! Hi. Hi! Thank you for having okay. us.
1: Welcome! <laughs> welcome to Just Thank you. So, um, to help our listeners have a better understanding of what you do, maybe you could share a bit with us on um, why you started Laypak
3: Conversations. Okay, so we started Park Conversations to raise awareness on issues faced by the Malay community and we started uh, with the Tudong issue um and it was something that really resonated with a lot of people in the community so we wanted to ensure that it was addressed um, Fairly and properly. The Tudong issue itself, uh, it's been going on for almost like 20 years without uh, much significant progress. So it was a pressing issue for the community. And so that's why we started with the Tudong issue when we decided to start uh, Nipak conversations. Yeah. You
1: know, for those to, uh, for at least for our listeners who don't know what the Tudong issue is, they
3: want to like summarize. Okay, so the Tudong issue uh, is mainly about how there are certain professions in Singapore where Muslim women can't. Um, don their tudung and to a lot of people from the community um, they feel that that is um, unfair in some way because they can't you know express uh, their religion in that form and so uh, a lot of people are concerned about how um, for instance frontline workers like nurses can't wear the tudung while they are on the job so when we talk about the issue we address uh, why Muslim women wear the tudung and then we talk about how the issue has been addressed throughout the years by various leaders in the community and uh, why is it important to the community that we are allowed to uh, wear the do when we are on the job.
1: Ah, I see. So how did the both of you decide to come to do this together?
3: Okay, so I actually had to write an essay for school. And uh, I wanted to make sure that whatever I had written wasn't too harsh or anything uh, because it was on the topic of the development of Malays in Singapore. So I sent my essay to um, Anna for her to kind of vet through it uh, because in the essay, I had um, mentioned an incident where my professor himself, who was going to be grading the paper, had written something quite derogatory about the Malay community. So Mm. I wanted to um, address that with him, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't too confrontational in any way. So when I sent um, Anna the essay, she went through it and she read it and she realised that actually these are resources and information that would be useful to um, the public, like to the Malay community?
2: Yeah, so when when I read Noor's essay, I was honestly very shocked by the things I was reading. Because, um, you know, there were policies put in place, there were things said by politicians and public figures that paint a very negative stereotype about the Malay community. And as a as a normal Malay person, you know, these are things that I don't know about and I believe not many people know about. And I realized that this is a privilege that NOR and and me, we also have the privilege to get access to information like this because NOR um has a lot of opportunities for higher education and she can get access to um research resources and stuff like that. And so for myself, I'm a graphic designer and I realized that my expert my expertise can help to simplify this information and let everyone in the community get access to the, to this knowledge lah like, to empower themselves and understand their their place in society yeah
3: yeah and also we we kind of realised that whenever whatever is being said comes from a research perspective or an academic point of view, people are more likely to accept it as it is because it's seemingly backed up by research. So whatever words or assumptions there are in the paper, it becomes even more harmful because it's easier for people to internalise such negative things. So mm-hmm. while we wanted to give people access to such like informative resources, At the same time, we wanted to um, kind of call out or bring to light certain negative things that are being said when such research is done so that uh, we can make sure that when the Malay community, they consume this knowledge, they aren't being harmed by it at the same time. Mm,
2: I
1: see. So I've seen your Instagram, of course, and Mm -hmm. I, I urge everyone who's actually listening to this to actually go and take a look. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen um, the content that you put out there and it comes from a very analytical and a very, very logical point of view, which I personally like because I feel that that actually sheds light on very important issue in a very logical manner. Mm. And it's very, it, the tone is very reasonable and it mm. makes me realize a lot of things. Like um, one of which was, of course, the Tudong issue and um, the other one was on the topic of allyship.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so I recently saw like a few posts on allyship um, would you like to share a bit more on why you decided to start on that topic?
3: So um, we wanted to start, we actually started the account with our post on allyship before we even um, put out our content for the Tudung issue because we wanted to uh, ensure that the page was not something that could only be consumed by the Malay community. We realized that um, whenever you're addressing any problem for that matter, Allyship is very important because most times the people who are at the short end of the state, they are in the position in that particular position because of the systems in place or because of the like structural issues. So it is not reasonable for them to expect help from these very systems. So the only thing they can turn to are allies, like people who can actually help them. People who maybe benefit from the system or have power over the system, these are the people who can, you know, help in the most effective way. That's why we wanted to start off with allyship because it is an important part of solving any sort of problem. And we wanted our followers to know that even if a problem doesn't affect you personally, there is a lot you can do to, you know, care beyond yourself and help other people.
1: But I really like that because um I, I feel that a lot of us, like, we are three Chinese girls, right? We belong mm-hmm. to the majority. I think one thing that, that bothers us a lot is what can we do about it? Like, we know that racism exists, but yeah. what is something that we, we can do about this? And I think, like, a lot of us, um because we are not on the shorter end of the state, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, you know, like, if we do anything, also won't help the situation one. Like, let's not, like, it it will be fertile like any effort will be fertile so like let's just not Mm -hmm. do it but then what we don't realize is that actually by speaking up for someone or for a minority at at, at that point in time could actually help the person a lot so to help our listeners understand a bit better could you like maybe share a bit from the point of view of someone if let's say like um someone from the majority race actually stood up for you how how does that help your situation and yeah and, and why does it matter
2: Mm, okay I'll I'll share a story of mine in my workplace so for mm. myself I am the only female muslim in the company and so before I joined the company they didn't have to cater halal food for anyone so when I came in um I think most most muslims when they're the only minority or the only Muslim in in any organization or any social setting they don't really want to inconvenience people so like if there's no halal food usually it's fine lah, we just don't eat so that's the case for myself so whenever we have like um, office events or gatherings and stuff like that and there's no halal food usually I just don't say anything and I just don't eat because I don't want to be an inconvenience but thankfully thankfully I have very um understanding colleagues so they've asked me like, why are you not eating? And then when I said, oh, the food is not halal, then that's when they realized that, oh, okay, now we need to accommodate to 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 our Muslim staff. And so it has been made clear that, okay, you know, now now the company needs to cater um, halal food for me. But then in future uh, instances also, there was not any halal food. And I was like, never mind, don't worry about it. But my colleagues were really, really nice and they stood up for me and they made sure to 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 say to the relevant people and the the management lah, like hey you know we have a, a muslim colleague now and she needs to be mm-hmm. uh, provided halal food as well so please do that for her and um in that case i was very very touched because to me it's just food lah, like i can just don't eat but i guess to them they 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 didn't want me to feel excluded and they just wanted me to to be part of the culture lah because i am i am an important um member in the office and yeah, they just want to include me and that felt really, really nice. Although it's, it's it's kind of a simple thing but yeah, it's really small things like this that really matter.
3: That's
1: mm. really nice of your colleague though. Yes,
2: yeah, very nice. <laughs>
1: huh. Yeah,
0: I actually, like recently came across a podcast where they talked about allyship and why not more people um, would actually say something or stand up for our friends who, who need us. Like how you mentioned we are the ones who can also really make like a, like an impact. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the key points that you know, was raised up is that people, are, people strive to do the, the right thing and say the right things. And having that fear of being like a, like not a good person might actually deter us from saying things or asking questions on how to help people better. Because we we don't want to make like a mistake and and get backlash or you know say wrong things. yeah say the wrong thing I heard something which I thought was was gonna be really useful is that instead of striving to be that good person you know the person that would always say the right things and know all the answers to any question we want to be good ish people where mm-hmm. it's not that it's a substandard of good so it's actually better than good because we admit that. We don't know all the answers all the time. And at the same time, we want to improve, we want to learn, we want to grow. So knowing that um, we want to strive for that being good-ish people, I think that really switched on something in me that like, okay, I want to ask. I really want to find out more and find out how to be a better ally. And knowing like your example here, I think that is great. To, to actually further dig into it. Do you all have any other instances where perhaps you faced an episode of uh, a racist comment or, you know, uh, a situation? And how would that situation change if someone actually stood up for you or said something?
3: So, um, for me personally, um, I went for an interview for, uh, it was just for an intern position. So I went for the interview and the first thing the person said to me was that, oh, it's um very rare that you have a Malay um, law student. Uh, I was like, okay, um, I-, I guess he's being nice about it. So uh, we talked and he asked me a lot of uh, quite personal questions. And then at the end of the interview, um, he told me that, oh, actually, our working environment is very um, rowdy and like I don't think it's suited for you. So, yeah, I don't think we can actually take you in. But it was nice chatting with you. So then I realised that the only reason he called me in for an interview was because he thought it was um, rare to have a Malay law student and he had no intention of hiring me. And, yeah, he assumed that um, because I wear the hijab that I wouldn't be able to um, assimilate or fit in in a very, like, rowdy, fun work environment. So that felt really horrible because um, it felt like, you know, um, first of all, he he assumed that, you know, um, it's rare to be, like, Mm. a successful Malay. And then, yeah, he he called me in just to... um, you know, like put me under a microscope and like find out things about um, the Malay community and with no intention of hiring me from the first, in the first place. So, like, I think um, in an ideal situation, someone should have instead expressed um, joy that there is better representation in the legal industry of like Malays rather than expressing like such shock and surprise. Because it, yeah. that is, you know, in a way, even though it may not be obvious, and then I think, um, you know, hire deciding to hire or not hire someone based on merit lah, rather than assuming that, oh, their personality won't like fit in with the company or, you know, assuming that um I won't be able to like take the the crude jokes or whatever just because I wear the tudong. So yeah, that was quite like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I felt upset for the whole day after the interview.
0: Yeah, I mean they didn't even let you try like
1: jump to conclusion basically. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, usually hiring process, there would be like a probation period just to see if the candidate is the right fit for the company and vice versa, right? Like the company mm. is a good fit for the candidate, but
2: yeah.
1: that
0: wasn't even... And it
1: wasn't even given. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah, and, yeah, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why we started with the Tudong issue as well. So a lot mm. of our followers, they send in stories of how... They couldn't get the job just because they wear the tudung, and a lot of times when asked, um, okay, why why can't I wear the tudung on the job? They 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 say, um, it's because of hygiene reasons or it's because of the uniform. But there are actually like workarounds for this lah. Like for example, for for hygiene issues, um, mm. there are like disposable uh, tudungs that one can wear in like the healthcare sector and things like that, and and a lot of other countries they actually do allow, um. Mm. Frontliners to wear the tudung, so you know we believe that there are workarounds, um, for this issue lah. But you know it's it's just very sad that you know people, uh, a lot of tudung wearing women they don't get jobs just because they wear the tudung. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I've actually heard someone talk about um another, uh, episode where they talk about rejections in interviews. But I think this has an added layer. How did you manage your emotions after that?
3: Um, so I talked to a few close friends about it, and actually, most of my close friends are Chinese. So, mm-hmm. um, they were really nice about it. They made sure to, um, you know, tell me that just because I wear the tudong, it doesn't make me a different person. Mm-hmm. Like that's just um an added part of my identity. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't affect um my abilities as like a student, as a future lawyer. So, they were really good allies. Like, they didn't do much except for, you know, lend a listening ear. But at, the, at that moment, that was more than I could ever ask for. Yeah.
1: I think that's really interesting because, like, I mean, up to, like, now, up to maybe one second ago, I was thinking that allyship is that you have to stand up to someone mm. at that point in time when you witness something racist. Uh, mm. But then, I think this example is a very good example of what we all can do. Um, even being a listening year to um, a minority friend who has actually experienced racism or mm. that is, um, like racism in the workplace or whatsoever I think that's really really nice um, mm. to, to, that allyship can come in many many different forms first I think personally I, I feel a bit of a struggle in terms of like mm. how to voice out how to be a good ally um, because I'm sure like when I look back right when I was reading your content and then and then I look back at it I realized that there are a lot of instances where I witnessed a racist remark but I didn't know what to do at that point in time yeah. I think my Malan will actually agree with me I, I think like there are a lot of like times we don't know what to do and what to say mm. so maybe you could share with us a bit more on um how to actually do like allyship like properly what's okay and like what's not okay
3: Mm, I think the most important thing when it comes to allyship is to um, give um, the person who, who's facing the problem like, a chance to tell you about it and then for you to like, properly listen without making it about you. So like when the person is sharing, don't try to say things like, oh, that happened to me too, like, I can relate. Because really at the time, like, that's really not the best time to go and try to insert yourself into the narrative. So, just listen and then um, subsequently, you can ask the person, so what can I do to help? I think that's like the most clear-cut way of being an ally. Like, just ask the person, what can I do to help? More often than not, the person will tell you how you can help or if at the time the person feels that there's really nothing much you can do to help, then like I said, just you being there, being willing to listen, that would already make the person feel better. Yeah, there's no like really right way of doing it, I think. Yeah, I
2: think I think as as a minority, we don't always feel comfortable speaking up about instances where we experience racism or microaggressions. So, if you know, sometimes even though you have a good intention to be an ally, we may not open up about it. You know, in instances like this, it's it's really best to just show your support and for me personally in in my company as well being the only female muslim, I I I couldn't open up about about my experiences and and no one was really being biased against me but I guess as a minority you just kind of go around and think like okay there's a certain negative stereotype about me and I don't really want to perpetuate that stereotype so I have to behave well all the time so and and my I don't think my colleagues would realize that about me as well that that you know I have this this issue as I as I work in the office um but it's so in, in instances like this it's very important to just you know, express support and say uh, and just be accepting of the person uh, and, and yeah and if possible you know when there are instances like like say for earlier regarding the the food catering in the office just just make sure to reach out and ask and just yeah be very understanding.
3: Yeah so like on the food issue for instance so I had a similar experience but mine was um sort of like the reverse so uh the food being catered was not halal, and nobody was speaking up about it, so I decided to like write an email to the school to all the important people to make sure that there was halal food because there are quite a there's quite a big number of Muslim students in the school so um my Chinese friend was with me at the time. I was quite nervous about writing the email because I was going to send it to a lot of like important people in the school at the time I think uh she just Uh, made sure to tell me that yes I support you if you want me to like read through your email and help you to like vet it I can do that for you and like I think you're doing the right thing you should do it to me just her doing that like expressing support in that sense even though she you know didn't help me to like speak up at the time uh when she found out about the food not being halal like just her showing support in me wanting to speak up about it I think that was enough for me at the moment Mm.
2: Yeah, I okay, okay, for myself, right, actually, when, when I started up Conversations, I had a lot of worries about what my company would think, what my colleagues would mm-hmm. think, because, you know, in a sense, it might, I don't know, I don't know what they would think, but maybe, you know, I could be perpetu- perpetuating a certain agenda about the about my race and things like that but uh, my colleagues actually stood up for me and they expressed that they fully support my decision to run the page and and sometimes they even offer their help to to you know vet through my work and and give recommendations yeah like just providing support and and letting uh your minority friends know that you know if you want to fight for something you want to fight for yourself go ahead and and you know if I can help in any way let me do it for you yeah
1: Wow, this is so nice. Yes. More support too. <laughs> <Yes>. thank you <laughs> i really like um what like all the examples that you mentioned above i mean because i in the same podcast that jolene listened to yeah. on like the goodish people mm-hmm. you know i actually caught one part which is like um being an ally also means that um there are some uncomfortable situations mm, like or uncomfortable conversations that um you have to go through and and i feel that that is being an ally is really it's really more than on top of being there i feel that like um a lot of people don't know like for myself like if like let's say the same situation right the one on catering food for like muslim colleagues i experienced the exact same thing but i was on the other end right like i i was um majority and then what i realized was that um my company did not cater food for like the minority, like no no yeah. halal food at all. And at that point in time maybe about like ten to fifteen percent of our colleagues were Muslims mm. and they did not um cater and the uh, management chose a place that was um cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, like with cost in mind and that's what they compromise on. Mm-hmm. Um and then like the instruction was um just choose something with up pop. And wow. like to me it felt like I was like angry, lah. like you know, like this is not how it is because like halal food is not just don't eat pork, right? Like mm-hmm. there are many things that you need to really look into. Like at that point in time, I mean like of course they are my bosses, right? So that's like like mm-hmm. what I was are you really like the only thing that I did was are you really not going to cater halal food? Like that was <laughs> the only thing I asked and he said like no, no, we already started ordering the Then I like Oh, okay, lord then we go buy her food. <laughs> that was the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just felt that like, like I wasn't like when I look back at it I keep asking myself if there was anything that I could do better.
0: Yeah. On that note, right? Actually, being a lawyer, do you know of any policies that would help in this situation, like fairness and and equality in the workplace? Is there something like that, like the, against discrimination and things like catering for all your employees? You know, something like that should be in place.
3: I mean, currently we have the TAFEP, so that's like the Tripartite Alliance for Fair employment practices so that currently covers it supposedly covers any like practices which are not fair Mm -hmm. but I think that the scope right now is pretty like narrow so if it's like overt things like hiring practices and then during interviews they discriminate based on like gender or like religion or race but it's usually things that are pretty overt because even things like the like not hiring someone because of the tudong. Like it's really easy to kind of work around it because you can always say that, oh, there are certain requirements in the job that does not allow you to wear a to and you kind of get away with that. And even for things like, oh, language, like, oh, this job requires you to speak a certain language, even though it doesn't, like, you can just claim yeah. that and like, you can again get around the guidelines. So for things like halal food, it's definitely not like covered. Yeah, because I think especially when it comes to these kind of things where you can always, you know, like you said, like order your own halal food and still eat together. Then, in the sense, you're not really being excluded. So, I mean, the the law has to catch up, I think. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely
1: more that
0: needs to be done. Because mm. I'm just thinking that it's by right a very common sense. Mm. Like, mm. think that any company should do um, especially when you are doing it for the welfare of your employees but yet yeah. you leave out certain people I think yeah. that says a lot about the company which is not right because mm-hmm. I, I mean I host like corporate workshops for companies and I have requests that hey, can you make sure that the if let's say we host uh, something that has to do with food either catering or it's a master class, a master chef uh, workshop and mm-hmm. I will request that, oh, the, the food that you order, make sure that it's halal. And to me, mm. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like, of course. Mm. Even if it's just, they're not sure whether um at one of their colleagues that attend might be a Muslim, they are not sure because such things are by a sign-up basis, which I now I realize is, it should be encouraged. It shouldn't just be taken for granted that it, they, they make such a, like, common request. Like, actually, knowing this, I think, in fact, then the good actions should also be encouraged and highlighted. Mm, yeah. yeah and, and at the end of it, right, that workshop, that, that particular workshop, there weren't any Muslim like uh, staff members who joined, but they were like, Yeah, they still wanted it like halal just in case. Which I thought has to be highlighted, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I yeah. mean, like Singapore is so diverse, like you yes. have to include everyone and not just assume <laughs> a certain narrative. Yeah. So that's that's actually really nice of, of the company to do.
3: Yeah, and I think like halal and even vegetarian dietary requirements, like that's such a like common, like typical thing now that yeah. I feel that it is weird for companies to not take it into account. Yeah. yeah. Yes,
0: I, I agree. Although I, I do think that people are getting more and more open about like the vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, yeah. all these kind of mm. requirements, but yet for like basic, you know, respect mm. for different cultures and races, I think that can be improved.
3: Mm, yeah. isn't because for like the, for instance, like the Indian community, like there are those who like are strictly vegetarian. Mm. Yeah. To them, it's something that's, you know, sim- like, um, like similarly important as halal food is to like the Muslim community. Um, For instance, like in school, um, before that that incident of them not catering any halal food, there was actually um, an event where another um, club provided halal and vegetarian options. Mm -hmm. So it is possible, you know, like it's not a very difficult thing to accomplish.
0: Is there any other like um, elements besides like the tudong issue and halal food that you guys still face within your community that maybe we can highlight and bring to attention?
3: Um I think they're like microaggressions, like yeah, I, I guess Anna, you can
2: uh, Okay, I can share my story. Um I have a name that's not like a typical Malay name and it, it yeah, it sounds quite exotic, like the way people put it. So so when people find out my full name Suddenly, they treat me quite differently. You know, before this, they assume I'm just some Malay. And then when they hear my name, they're like, oh, uh, so are you mixed race? You know, your name sounds very exotic. You know, it, it makes me question like, oh, so just because I seem like I'm exotic or mixed-race, does that make me better than when you thought that I was just a Malay? So that oh. literally makes me really uncomfortable, you know, when, when people treat me differently just because of my name. The, so there was an instance in, in in the workplace as well that um my colleague actually sent out emails to, you know, pitch for our project, but they didn't get any replies. But when I sent the email, um I actually got a reply. And my colleague was saying that, oh, you know, it's probably because of your name. You know, your name doesn't sound Malay, so they responded to you. My name is what? Malay, so that's why they didn't respond to me. And at the time, I was very confused. I was like, are you sure? And my colleague was saying, yeah, 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 I've emailed them several times, so I think it's because of your name. And that is quite shocking to me, you know, that someone would, you know, treat you differently just because of your name. Wow. Yeah. So he's... <laughs> he's quite upset though. Yeah. I'm trying to
1: wrap my head on this thing.
2: Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's really not a nice thing to experience. Yeah, it's not not just your name, you know, the way you speak, like, oh, you don't have a Malay accent, so uh, are you, like, more educated and things like that. So, people have a lot of different assumptions about malays and i think nor can add on to that
0: yeah Yeah. what are common assumptions and like false stereotypes and assumptions about you guys
3: yeah so i think the most common assumption is that malays are like lazy unambitious and like intellectually inferior so i've had because i've i've been to a couple of like elite schools and Mm. so um people would say things like oh you're very smart for a malay and mm. at the time, I think because I've sort of internalized the like racism and the stereotypes, so I would usually respond with like, oh, but I'm not fully Malay, I'm mixed race. Because um I have like a mixture of like Chinese blood and like Indian blood and Malay blood. So I would say like, yeah, I mean I'm not um I'm not just Malay, I'm mixed race, to sort mm. of justify why I'm smart. But then um after a while I sort of realized that it is racist, like it yeah, is like a microaggression uh, for them to like um give that like backhanded complimenting that like oh you're so smart for a Malay so there's an assumption that Malays are like unsmart and mm-hmm. then also things like um people would sometimes ask me um oh um I thought you are Malay why are you so fair then mm-hmm. again I would say that oh it's because I have some Chinese blood but then I realized that it is um not right for someone to assume that a person of a certain race is only one color yes like, yeah, so I um, I haven't had the chance to, like, you know, explain this to someone because the last time I was um, told that I was fair for Malay, like, at the time, I just answered it by saying, like, um, I was mixed-race. But, yeah, I mean, I know better now. <laughs> yeah. So, even, even as... Um, like people from minority race I think we also internalise some forms of like racism and we buy into the stereotypes it's not just about um, maybe people from the majority group being like um, racist or insensitive sometimes we ourselves don't realise that we've bought into that narrative yeah Yeah.
1: looking back you know when when you got these type of comments about your skin like how would you have reacted differently now now that you know you know about all this
3: Um, I probably would have explain like nicely to the person and ask like hey you know not all Malays are like brown or um, of darker skin like I guess I guess evolution also like there's some science behind it like different <laughs> people can be different skin colors yeah so you can't it, it's racist of you to assume that someone of a certain skin color is of a certain race or to assume that someone of a certain race would always be that one skin color. Um,
1: Do you think that this um, issue of racism, this situation in Singapore will improve?
3: Um, Yes, I am very hopeful. I think based on what we've seen on social media at least, there are many people, uh, young people especially, who are very willing to learn, who are more sensitive. And the conversation has been flowing quite well. So... Even though some people are still learning, they try to be as sensitive about it as possible. They ask very respectful questions. So I'm really quite like hopeful and optimistic about the direction in which the entire conversation is moving.
2: Yeah. I think for, for lip conversations, right? Um it's quite obvious that the young the youth are very interested in, in this topic of race because within a month of starting our page we already got um almost three thousand followers and a lot of our followers, they actually DM us and say things like, oh, I did not know about issues like this. Uh, thank you for bringing this up. And I've, I've done my part to share the content. And we we also give um, actionable steps for them. Like, for example, for the turung issue, they can write into their MPs and things like that. And our followers actually message us and say, "Um, hi, I've, I've, I've wrote into my MP and I hope it does something. And I've shared with my friends and stuff like that. So it's, it's very obvious that people are not only willing to talk about talk it with their friends, but they also want to do something about mm-hmm. it, which is very, very encouraging.
3: Yeah, and they really put in um, a lot of effort. Okay, so one of our followers, um, she even DM'd us to say that she really wanted to write a letter to her MP about the Tudong issue, but she couldn't find who her MP was because the parliament website wasn't updated, I think. So she wrote in to us to say that um, hey, um, who is my MP? <laughs> I really can't find him. So we helped her to search for her MP and she wrote the letter. And to us, that was something very special because we realised that people weren't letting like little things like this stop them. They really wanted to put in the effort and to you know ask for help if they needed to and they would try to do their part in any way they can. Nice. That's
1: so nice. Are there anything else you would like to highlight on, on the topic of okay. Ally Sheet? Or if, let's say, um to our audiences right now, right, like, maybe if there's one thing that you would like to talk about um with regards to allyship, what would it be?
3: Mm, I think what's important to know also is that when you want to be an ally, we don't expect you to do it at. Um, your own expense you know because we do realize that you know for instance that you said when you want to speak up you're still speaking up to your boss it's not like we expect you to lose your job over it when you try (laughs) to stand up for the minority people you know like you should still do it based on what Um, you can, what you're comfortable with. And leadership is really simple. I think sometimes people may like, you know, have misconceptions about it. They think it's like huge grand gestures to like stand up for someone, but it's really not. It's something simple. It's something within your own capability. Like there's no one size fits all for what? a person can do to be an ally so really just do what is best for you and help in whatever way that would not put yourself um at whatever expense
2: that's very powerful yeah, yeah. and now what about yourself okay for me i'm a very reserved person so i really don't expect um an ally to do anything grand for me just standing up for me asking questions and just trying to understand and accept me for who I am, that's really quite enough for me. La. And and of course, as, as Nora mentioned, if you feel like you can do something more, then I I'll I will probably ask you for help if I need it. La. That's so nice. Yeah.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for um, sharing all that you have shared with us above. I think today we learned a lot of very important things. Yeah. Um, of course, we, we started a topic of uh, understanding more about the Tudong issue. Um, and then I think we, we touched a lot on the topic of allyship, which we feel is very important um, to both um, our listeners, uh, people who are following the conversations, and listeners of um, Just Barrett. Because I think the topic of allyship, like racism, is, is, racism, exists in Singapore. Right. Yes. but like, what is it that we can do better? And prior to this conversation, I always felt that it it needs to be a grand gesture. Yeah, yeah. but through this conversation, I realised it's actually very simple, right? Like being there to listen to your friend, you know, doing what you can within in your capacity, um, and not at the expense of yourself. Like these are things that are actually very doable. And we mm. urge um everyone who's listening to this, um, if let's say you have experienced, you are witnessing um. Racism, let's just do our part, um, and we can. We are very hopeful that this situation will improve in um, Singapore, that's yes. like, just like um, Nora and Anna. And, and we definitely would um, hope that we can all really be a multi racial Singapore.
2: <laughs> Yay.
0: We just celebrated National Days, and yeah. they did Day. the montage, yeah, <laughs> with the COVID, and like how we yes. can really be better as a country yeah next thing. time we will meet up in person hopefully
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have our secret <laughs> date and then we can yeah. chill and, and chill <laughs> and <then laughs> we can yeah. lay and have conversations <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in to just bear We hope you enjoyed our Leipak conversation. If you have any thoughts, questions or experiences to share about allyship, please feel free to connect with us on Instagram at justbarrett.co. See you in the next one! Bye. Bye!